I really try to always start with the why of what they're learning, whether it's giving them a learning objective or an essential question, hooking their attention through a video or a quote or something that my 13 and 14 year old eighth graders are going to connect with is going to hook that attention, right? Our topic today is student agency, empowering students to accelerate learning with our special guest, Danielle Reyes. Tech Talk for Teachers is brought to you by avid.org. Avid believes that every learner can develop student agency. To learn more about Avid, visit their website at avid.org. Welcome to Tech Talk for Teachers, the podcast where teachers discuss how technology and teaching best practices can positively transform education to create equitable classrooms for future-ready learners. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Winston Benjamin. We are educators. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies you can implement into your classroom. Our quote today is from Keisha Rembert, an eighth grade English and U.S. history teacher at Clifford Crone Middle School in Naperville, Illinois. She says, student agency is ownership. It's command, an active process of engagement and authority over your learning. Teachers must deprivatize education for students to own it. Teachers must be coaches and facilitators and open the classroom floor up for the students It can never be about conveying a subject. Winston, what do you think about that one? Mm, I'm thinking of two things. One, the uh, economist in me is very, very into the deep um, privatizing, right? Where teachers connection to this is my job. I make money off of this. My students grades are it's essentially linked to me. But I think the, the idea of your students, if they own their own subject and interest, they will do better which will then make your job easier, right? I think that's the, um, to help teachers reverse that idea of more control equals productivity when less control equals productivity. And I think shifting that mindset is important. So I appreciate that um, concept in the, in the quote. Hey, what about you, Rena? It actually immediately made me think of, so I do a lot of work with code.org and they have this idea of being a lead learner. It's not exclusive to them. It's been out there, but this idea of being a lead learner. And they say that as a lead learner, the role of the teacher shifts from being the source of knowledge to being a leader in seeking knowledge. So kind of like what Winston said. Um, And they have a, a mantra for their lead learner and it's, I may not know the answer, but I know that together we can figure it out. And I just love the whole stance behind lean learner. And the idea was, you know, getting people to teach computer science when maybe I don't really know much about it, but I can integrate it into my literacy because I have kids that can, we can learn together and they can support me. But I think it really fits in, in every subject, in every single classroom. Agreed. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. You know, in past episodes, we've been talking a lot about how we dislike the term learning loss. It's just such a deficit mindset kind of a term. We want to flip that around. We know that our students will return to us with some gaps. I mean, that's, that's going to happen every year. That's, that's not brand new, 
but we want to approach it in terms of how do we accelerate that learning? We don't want to go back and try to fill every gap and every bucket, but how can we bridge it at least so that we can continue to accelerate the learning in our classrooms? It's much more proactive, positive mindset. Um, and one of the ways that we can do that is to make sure our learners are empowered in our classroom. Student empowerment is our focus and conversation of our conversation today. And we're going to kind of dig into that. But before we kick off our first question, I just want to reference George Kuros, which is somebody that a lot of us follow, I think. He talks about um, making sure we shift our classroom philosophy from compliance and engagement to empowerment. And sometimes that that seems counterintuitive for some people, but this is not to disregard the importance of compliance and engagement. You know, our students still need to follow certain protocols and procedures, but as Danielle mentioned in a previous episode, if the students can help make them, they're our protocols, so they're not like following my protocols, but we definitely want to engage them in their learning. However, Kuros points out an important difference between engagement and empowerment. Engagement is more about what you can do for your students. Empowerment is about helping students figure out what they can do for themselves. And that description really identifies that significant shift from teacher-centered to student-centered approaches, which is like at the core of, of all empowerment, really. So in that context, Danielle, we're gonna bring you back into the conversation. And thanks again for being here today. How do you define student agency and what does it look like in your classroom? Yeah, thanks so much for having me back here. Um, you have, I'm really gonna mimic a lot of the things you said, and I love that quote by George Kiros. Um, so student agency, it allows students to have more voice and choice in their learning, which will directly lead to student engagement, ownership, and overall empowerment. Um, in my classroom, it's, it's a heavily scaffolded goal to reach that engagement and empowerment, right? So like Kiro says, engagement is kind of my job. I need to provide the lessons that will then, then result in the student empowerment. So um, I really try to always start with the why of what they're learning, right? Whether it's giving them a learning objective or an essential question, hooking their attention through a video or a quote or something that my age of learners, my 13 and 14 year old eighth graders are going to connect with, they're going to spark their interest, is going to hook that attention, right? Um, and then following through with whatever the learning objectives are, utilizing technology to help foster that engagement and the collaboration, um, ultimately, hopefully resulting in students being able to choose their learning inputs and then their learning outputs, right? How am I gonna input this learning? What am I going to watch or read or listen to? And then how am I gonna show my learning and giving them the options for that? But again, scaffolding it throughout the year because it's not gonna happen the first week of school until we, unless we put those supports in. So how can we foster student agency in our classrooms? Yeah, I think giving students a lot more control in what they're learning. I mean, we have our learning objectives, right? And so we do need to teach those, but it doesn't always have to be the teachers in control. So when I think of student agency, someone a long time ago said, students are the agents, right? So students are the agents of their learning. So allow them to think of the higher level questions, allow them to find the text to world connections and text to self connections. Um, the idea of the inquiry-based learning and project-based learning and connecting it to something that's real to me 
And allowing choice for that is going to inevitably lead to students being much more interested because they had the choice in regards to what they're learning. And you can still meet the standards in a variety of ways. You just have to see it a little bit different than we might see a normal lesson. I really like, even earlier you said, I hook my middle school students to something that's going to interest them. And I think sometimes, especially newbie teachers are like, this is the curriculum. This is what it says. And I can't do anything else. But it's like taking that same thing. And, you know, I I focus a lot on science and math, but I'm like that science concept, but finding something local that's going to be relevant and meaningful to students. And as you just said, it's still the same standards. It's still the same content, but now there's more meaningful connection. So I really I really appreciate you pointing that out and that you're doing it. So that's great for your students. (laughs) So when you're giving students all that, that voice and choice, which I totally am with you on that, that's so important to empowerment. How do we build up their confidence enough to be able to do that? You know, because it, it takes a little bit of a risk, you know, now the teacher's not telling me what to do. I have to make my own decision. How do we build up that confidence? Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, allowing students, depending on their level, to understand how they learn best, teach them strategies for successful, like researching and searching and providing them scaffolds to organize their learning, right? So maybe providing the graphic organizer that they're going to jot their thoughts down. So we're still in control of the the overall picture, but they can have that flexibility with the time, the pace, the path, the pace of their learning. Um, Providing pauses is important. I think reflecting, metacognition, um, providing opportunities for students to collaborate and share. So it's not just we're going to start and end. It's like, okay, we have an end goal, But it's a journey and we're on this journey together and we're not all at the same place at the same time, but we have the same end goal. Mm -hmm. And in order to reach that end goal, what success skills or things do you think students just need to know know or build in order to own their learning and be academically successful? What are some of those like, I think of like the base of that pyramid. For sure. I think educators might be thinking of it right now as they're listening to that growth mindset. And so we we have the, I don't know if the word's duty, but to model that for students, because we're also lifelong learners. We all had to have a growth mindset this last school year as we were learning new things. And so as students are discovering, right, and they're choosing things that they want to investigate, they might come to some obstacles or unknowns because this might be new to them. And they might, you know, some of our more structured learners are sometimes they're like, oh, this is all new to me. I want to know exactly how to do this right now. And it's like, you know, this is part of the journey. So maybe I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm getting there. Um, So that's one, I would say some life skills too, like time management, stress management, prioritizing, uh, being a problem solver for sure. Uh, depending on if you're adding collaboration, which I highly recommend, you know, how to work in a team and effectively communicate and collaborate. Kind of makes me think of all those 21st century skills we've talked about previously. And I was just, I was thinking about you, Paul, because you kind of brought it up. I'm thinking if you taught somewhere, I forget what episode, 27 years and then shifted to this new world. So you have over, I'm thinking 30 years in education. You can correct me if I'm wrong, 
But I imagine I, I haven't been in it that long. I still, it's hard for me. I think I'm like year 16. And I think where I started 16 years ago, and even as education's progressed, I'd be curious to like where you started 30 years ago, you must have had a huge growth mindset because 30 years ago, we were not anywhere near this one-to-one incorporating digital learning strategies. Um, so you've seen a lot. So without that growth mindset, how would you have been able to persevere even as a teacher? Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out because it's sort of interesting as a as a digital learner. Well, thanks for pointing out how old I am. First of all, it was thirty three years, Rena. <laughs> but um, well, as it's ironic that I'm a digital learning specialist because people say, "Oh, those old people they don't know how to do technology <laughs> or whatever." But it's not about knowing or not knowing technology. It's about constantly learning and keeping up the whole time. I can never think of a time in my career where I wasn't learning and trying to get to the next, the next great thing, you know, that could really impact my students in my classroom. I don't ever really remember learning technology as just incrementally part of how you grow and go through. And, and I think we can do that with our kids too. You know, we, we instill that, that desire and that thirst to keep learning some new things. And, if you do that, you're always relevant, really, and you're always, you know, current. And I'm just going to add, I'll, I would just talk my because my husband and I are both teachers and we talk to other people and we are just the joy we have in our work and that we're constantly learning and getting to mm-hmm. new things rather than something mundane. I mean, we hear friends complain they're doing the same things over and over. And I, I feel privileged that I get to be in a, in a role where I constantly get to learn and I want students to not be like, uh, I want them to have a future where they get to feel, I don't know, joy in their career. And so that's important for me. That's one of my whys. So yeah, the best days are when we learn something. Mm-hmm. I, I I love the, the conversation because there's a, a bit about future and potential. And I'm just going to start with a quote and then I'm asking you a question and, I'm, and I want to see where you go because I'm going to frame it around the concept of equity. So allow me. So um, the Abbott, Abbott's founder, Mary Kate um, Catherine Swanson, the, is quoted as saying that rigor without support is a prescription for failure and support without rigor is a tragic waste of potential. Um, and a lot of times that we have teachers who are culturally responsive and listen to their students and want to um, build relationships, sometimes the rigor goes down, right? Because they're concerned about their students. So I want w- what the question we really want to do is how do we provide student-driven learning opportunities that are still also rigorous, right? How what are some of those ways or strategies that you can support our t- us? And thinking through how do we provide student-driven learning opportunities that are also rigorous? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. That rigor word is out there lately, especially with that accelerated learning, right? And the need to accelerate that learning. So I think there's a lot of ways that that can be answered. I'm thinking just in my own teaching practice, how I think of my lessons with a certain lens. And so I would love to share that. There's two main lenses I think of. One is the four C's. I know so many of us know them, but I don't think that they can be said enough. So that idea of in my lesson, does it have a component of the creativity, collaboration, communication, and that critical thinking, which results in that higher depths of knowledge and those questions that maybe students are creating on their own and trying to answer. 
And then I really try to weave this acronym of Wicker. If I can weave Wicker, which I'll explain is W is writing, I is inquiry, C is collaboration, O is organization, and R is reading. And not think of those as five separate things that I'm teaching, but literally every single lesson, those five aspects can be in it. And if I'm scaffolding and asking my students to organize their thoughts in a graphic organizer and mark the text and critically read this and collaborate and communicate, the list goes on, it's going to be a more rigorous lesson than if I just said, the purpose of this is to read. So that's something that I really try to think about as I create my lessons. I appreciate that it starts with the planning. Like, I really appreciate that intentional work. And what it can lead to is a toolkit. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. What's in the toolkit? What? What is in the toolkit? What's in the toolkit? Check it out. So let's jump into our toolkit here. And we're talking about empowerment and, and student empowerment. So um, let's kind of talk about how maybe technology or some other things can be placed into our toolkit to empower students and student agency. And uh, Danielle, we're going to let you get started. Sure. With the school closures that happened, I found a loss of time with my students. And I was trying to think, what can I do to still get through the content, but still give students ownership of learning? And one strategy was a jigsaw. So just in very short summary, that's when you take content, maybe a chapter section, and you jigsaw it out into student groups. Each group becomes an expert, and they come back to the home group and share. And so a huge victory I had was with Google Slides. So each group gets a slide, they go into their breakout rooms or in class, they go into their groups, they put something that I scaffold on the slide, and then they reteach it. Um, I actually have a blog post all about that on that website that I created, tech-empowerteacher.com, where I actually have a video showing how to do that. So that was a great, great victory for me this last year. What was that website address again? Because I missed it. It went by. Uh, all right. It was tech dash empowered teacher.com. Thank you. So I love all these strategies. I'm going to go kind of bigger picture. So once you've kind of built up those relationships and strategies, I project-based learning. And I love that some teachers took last year as like the opportunity to kick. They almost needed to do project-based learning. Um, and that it can lead to so much student agency um, and even develop our question together. What is this project going to be based around? But it goes back to planning. So as you kind of mentioned that upfront planning, it, it needs to be adjustable, but planning in mind so that all of those standards are still going to be hit, but they're going to be relevant and meaningful for students. And they're going to engage in all aspects of Wicker and all of the C's and the 21st century skills. It, to me, it just hits everything. I love project-based learning. If you want to know more about project-based learning, actually at avidopenaccess.org, we have an entire collection um, on project-based learning with resources to support you with that work. Um, well, I think one of the toolkits that I think is important is uh, responsibility. And I think teachers need to change the way they think about responsibility. Uh, Offering up students chances to the, to the quote earlier, um, um, privatizing, but I think responsibility of leadership in activities. 
<laughs> like, are they having a leadership role? Are they facilitating? Are they the one engaging? Are they tracking participation? Are they looking for equity within their conversations? These all responsibilities will make children care about what they're doing because they are invested. So how do you allow students to find some ways of being invested is um, through responsibility. Cool. And another way that we can help students handle the responsibility they're given is to empower them with study skills. I know, Danielle, you alluded to this earlier, but if they know how to organize, if they know how to set up their study space, if they know how to manage their time, if they know how to take focus notes, if they know how to access digital reading annotation tools or text-to-speech, um, things like that that can help them to get the content, those can empower them now and forever really their life skills so they can help them own their learning and become more confident in their learning. And I, th I think that's just a tremendous um, tool in the empowerment toolkit. And then just to add on the, the ability to have those transferable skills. So as I've seen kind of like even with my own kids, because it's not about this one platform, one method. It's then how do I transfer that to this other platform? And I, I think I've heard before I've had teachers, oh, kindergartners can't do that. I'm like, oh, yes, they can. And now I, I'm sorry, we can't argue about it anymore. They can do it as well. So I appreciate that insight. And they can do it with technology too. I've seen, man, I've seen kids whipping around in Seesaw and organizing their things and communicating back and forth with their parents. They can do it. And the secondary students that I've worked with, they've said that technology is like the number one thing that's helped them become more organized. They can put things in one spot and they can access it from anywhere. And that's just been really empowering to them. I know I couldn't have gotten through this summer without our shared <laughs> Google spreadsheet of our calendar with all six of us all over the place. So <laughs> thank you, Google Sheets. Um, which brings us kind of back to our, our one thing. So it's time for one thing. We should make Danielle <laughs> sing it. <laughs> one thing one thing yes that's it <laughs> oh boy it's time for that one thing one thing one thing it's time for that one thing it's that one thing so just just thinking about <laughs> everything and the insight we've had from Danielle today what's our one big takeaway or tool, not tool, we already did tool to take away from today's conversation. So let's start with you, Danielle. I love how you reminded listeners about all of the resources on Avid Open Access, including the project-based learning and Genius Hour, and alluded to the fact that educators really dove into a lot of those this year. So thank you for that reminder. My one thing is rigor, equity, responsibility. Right. They're all linked. They're all important. Absolutely. I'm I, I kind of hung on something you said earlier, Danielle, giving students a choice and in input and output. Those two decisions can really empower them. It can help them learn better because now I can choose the way that inputs the best for me and I can choose the output where I feel the most confident in expressing what I learned. Great ownership strategies. Rena, what about you? I love this idea and it's kind of go, it's been weaved in and out this entire conversation, but it's really about what's relevant to students, not what's relevant to me. Now it's important to share myself, but if I'm like a super, I might be into 
I'm just going to say like Star Wars, but that, that that might actually scare students, but it's not about being relevant to me. It's about learning about my students, their interests. And I know many teachers actually work in communities they don't live in. That's the reality of kind of the world. So I need to know about the community where my students live and what's relevant to them, not what's relevant to me. And that's a really a shift that's happened in education over the years. So, and I appreciate that you're doing that. <laughs> Many educators, so all those educators out there, I appreciate I've seen it being done. It's kind of like one of our earlier guests had said, um, we don't get to choose what motivates kids. We also don't get to choose what's relevant to them. We need to tap into the, the relevancy that, that they are seeing. Oh yeah. Our friend Tammy, I believe, shared that with us. <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly right. Tammy Schrader. Well, we had a fantastic guest these last three episodes. Danielle, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great opportunity. You have, you've had great insights. And we, we always love hearing from teachers who are in the classroom, working with students, doing the hard work of education every single day. Um, in fact, you're like our solar panel, powering us into a new skill with your new school year with your powerful rays of light. Uh, not great, but sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if it were raining outside, you know, if it was a cloudy day and we're trying to work through the thunderstorms, we know you'd bring us the rayest rainbow at the end of it all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So funny. <laughs> Thanks for being <laughs> here. We it. really appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you as well. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org where you can discover resources to support student agency, equity, and academic tenacity to create a classroom for future-ready learners. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thank you for all you do. You make a difference. <laughs>